Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at P.A. Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Yeah, so I put out a poll this week about what I should do the podcast on, and uh, all three of the options almost lost to the joke option I put on there, which was literally anything else but breakouts. You're you're all really funny, so we're going to talk about my day. It has nothing... No, not really. We're going to talk about breakouts at the wide receiver position. However, I did get an interesting question on that poll. Uh, the question was, why don't you look at bust te- trades? Bust tendencies? Yeah, bust tendencies or trends. That's the word I'm looking for. In other words, what do we get wrong more often? I actually think that's nine times out of ten the better question to ask right now in fantasy football with everyone knowing so much more than we ever used to know and ADP getting increasingly accurate in terms of taking... Uh, high upside shots or highly accurate upside shots at least um uh but i don't know the answer i haven't spent two weeks researching that i do have one initial thought on it though and so i obviously spent a couple hours just checking some things um so here's some information about where we might find bus in the top 12 at both the wide receiver and the running back position more often um it's in repeats now, year over year, about five, slightly less than five on average, players break out um, at the running back and wide receiver position inside the top 12 for the very first time. It's the first year they finish in the top 12. On average, that happens five times every year, both the running back and the wide receiver position. However, year over year, at both um, Redraft and Dynasty, I went ahead and checked both, we overproject the number of players we expect to repeat inside the top 12 from one year to the next. In other words, and it's kind of very intuitive, but we type, I think we like to think of ourselves as more edgy than this, but we find it hard not to rank the players that just finished in the top 12 in the top 12 the following year. Um, now, we're actually hitting on those repeats fairly accurately, but I think that has a lot more to do with the fact that you know, positional rank doesn't in itself, it's not uh, It's not inherent trait of the player, and players who are capable and are in situations that are capable of um, providing them that level of upside are just generally a more stable group. I think it's actually fair to divide the top 12, both running back and wide receiver. Half of them are going to be repeats, and half of them are going to be breakouts. And specifically, part of the repeat rate, though, is going to be players who are returning to top 12 production after having fallen out the previous year because of injury or team concerns or a changing situation or just a bad year. Um, When I went back and looked at the ADP in Dynasty specifically, um, we're projecting on average about 1.9, about two players to return to production inside the top 12 every year since 2014, according to DLF ADP. We're projecting 1.5 players on average to return to a top 12 season after not doing it the previous year. So it's not like we're unaware of this. We're actually ranking um, 
by consensus, at least one, nearly two players on average a year um, to return to that top 12 performance. For example, uh, we're also projecting breakouts and we're projecting them at a slightly higher rate. Um, About three running backs are projected inside the top 12 by DLF ADP every year. Um, When the average breakout, as I said, is pretty much closer to six so we're still under under expecting them because uh, we like our repeat rates and um, but we are expecting them we're expecting 2.6 wide receivers to break out for the first time though and i think that's the interesting group where you might find an edge in terms of where busts come from because that's actually one of the more pitiful groups in terms of accuracy for example in at running back and um, the returning ADP ranks um, are actually hitting at about a 40% rate. The repeat running backs, so the running backs we expect to repeat the previous year performance, are actually hitting at the highest rate. It's true at wide receiver two. Around 65% of the players we rank in the top 12 repeat the following year. Now, just as a whole, as a position, both the wide receiver and the running back position have like a 35% repeat rate. So uh, ADP is doing something fairly accurate to increase that accuracy. But still, it's the biggest group. We're projecting five... Uh, we're projecting seven running backs to repeat on average every year and eight wide receivers, and we're still only hitting them at 65% rate. It's good, but it's notable that there are more busts, even if we are more accurate in that category. The breakout rate, however, at running backs are actually slightly better. We're, we're accurately ranking new top 12 players at the running back position around 50% of the time. So that's those three players we rank inside the top 12 that haven't been in the top 12 before. We're actually about accurate half of the time which isn't terrible it's similar to the top 24 repeat rate for example so i don't hate it but at the wide receiver position and this might be specifically a function of dynasty adp we're actually only finding players that finish in the top 12 by ranking by drafting them in the top 12 by consensus around 28 percent of the time now again the reason that might be a function of dynasty is you don't miss just because a player doesn't finish inside the top 12 that year because it's dynasty and we're also projecting value um, so I actually skipped over to Underdog and DLF ADP to look at my projections to see if this kind of held true, and it kind of does. But before I leave um, that subject, yeah, 28% of the time um, we miss on players finishing inside the top 12 if we are ranking them inside the top 12. So I theoretically the ADP is projecting a breakout. Um, but we also, like we projected through this definition uh, Amari Cooper to break inside the top 12 like three separate times before he actually finished inside the top 12 I don't think we ever felt like that was a bad pick in Dynasty it's not a bust pick because Amari Cooper was still productive although there was that one year uh, after Gruden took over the Raiders but still um, I don't think he ever felt like a bust pick but technically through this definition um, it counts as a bust and that's where that 28% accuracy comes from so I just wanted to highlight that now moving into this year looking for busts knowing that again um, in general we get four to five players that repeat and we get two players that return to production on average not in any particular season this is one reason running backs are actually more interesting for 2022 because last year we saw a drastic change in this general pattern which is actually fairly consistent year over year but getting ahead of myself again and so we should expect between four or five players to repeat their production from the following year inside the top 12 okay even though that yearly uh, repeat rate is around 35 percent ADP um, should really ex- be expecting about four players to repeat, two players to return to production, and six players to break out for the first time. 
Instead, in underdog ADP, we're expecting nine repeats, we're expecting one return, and two breakouts. Um, so it's drastically different. We're overemphasizing um, how much we expect the wide receivers to repeat last year's performance. We're actually doing the same thing at running back, so I think this is going to be a pretty consistent trend in redraft ADP if we dug back farther as well. For example, at the running back position, we're projecting seven repeats inside the top 12 with underdog ADP, four returns, one breakout. And again, that's drastically off from what we actually see year over year. We expect four repeats, two returns, and about six breakouts. And we're only projecting one breakout in redraft ADP. So this isn't just a function of dynasty ADP. Although I do think, especially in that wide receiver category, that's why the hit rate or the accuracy of that group was significantly lower. And um, For example, in dynasty ADP at the running back position, we're actually much more closer to expectation for an average year. Um, in who we currently have in the top 12. Um, Dynasty ADP has five running backs repeating last year, which is about what we should expect in any given year. Um, We're projecting five returns to production, which I found really interesting. We're expecting uh, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, um, uh, also Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley to return to production. Um, Sorry, I just noticed that someone was in the wrong category and I I just got to switch it over. Wasn't I doing a podcast? Anyway, um, yeah, we're expecting four returns um, to production in Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, and Saquon Barkley, and we're projecting three breakouts. Now, three is half what we should probably typically expect to see on a year-over-year basis, but we can adjust this for a trend, which is something I want to get into in the actual episode. But anyway, um, Dynasty ADP is actually doing a more reasonable job at what we should expect year-over-year at the running back position, whereas redrafters are much more heavily leaning on what's happened before. Having said that, the three different running backs, because there are three different running backs in the top 12 of redraft ADP versus dynasty ADP, and I wanted to highlight them, because dynasty drafters are currently drafting Joe Mixon in the top 12, and, and redraft drafters are drafting Derek Henry in the top 12, and I'd much rather switch them if I was playing on a redraft league. I've seen Joe Mixon finish inside the top 12 twice. I hated it both times. It didn't really provide me a great deal of edge and in the way we hope top 12 running backs can do. Derek Henry, when he's in the top 12, is a like a difference-making player. Like It's two yards per team attempt instead of just he also catches the ball. I mean, catches the ball is a great way to highlight who's more likely to be one of those running backs, but once you know who is a difference-maker, just draft the difference-maker maybe instead of Maybe Joe Burrow can also make Joe Mixon much better than he's been before. I I don't know about that. I think that those players are on the wrong list. But anyway, um, (laughs) redrafters are projecting Derek Henry, Leonard Fournette, and Aaron Jones in the top 12. You might recognize them as the names we've highlighted as players who are undervalued if you're looking for points in Dynasty for next year. And Dynasty drafters are currently drafting Nick Chubb, Devontae Williams, and Brees Hall in the top 12, which redrafters are not. So you see there's a heavy lean on youth, and that actually works in Dynasty drafters' favor because that's where a lot of breakouts in the the top 12 and the top 5 come from at running back. And so in this regard, redraft might be lagging behind slightly. But those three uh, Henry, Fournette, and Aaron Jones still make really good points bets, I think, for 2022. Whereas um, Devontae Williams, Brees Hall, um, and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb would be a return. That's where it's coming from. Anyway, uh, Devontae Williams, Brees Hall are projected as breakouts. And DeAndre Swift is also the other the other breakout that Dynasty is projecting. Sorry, my color coding got messed up here. So um, those are the three players that... Uh, 
dynasty is drafting in the top 12 that redraft is on and again you'll notice they're younger players and that's actually probably where we should expect most breakouts to come from and it's actually much closer to what we should expect what's really interesting at the running back position is last year we saw way too many repeats and so projecting more breakouts with dynasty adp right now is actually probably closer to what we should expect but again, this is probably a pretty long intro. If you're looking for where busts come from, I think it's a misappropriation of the number of players who should repeat year over year. We should expect to see half the group be repeat players and a couple of those repeats be players that are returning to the top 12 instead of projecting in the top 12. So for next year, for example, the two players I would expect if we see two returns next year at the wide receiver position uh, are Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, AJ Brown. Um, I think both of them make good candidates to be inside the top 12 in 2022, and they would foster uh, that that 16% uh, of the top 12 overall, whereas we would get at least four repeats in the flavor of, uh, uh, hopefully, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuels, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and that would still leave room for our two uh, typical returners where we would still see at least four to five players break out inside the top 12 and that would be where most of the questions are now if you're like me I find we talk about breakouts too much but the more I dug into this ADP looking for where the busts come from what we get wrong more often I think our timidity in both redraft and dynasty at ranking new players inside the top 12 is actually probably one, probably one of the best directions to start looking for where we get the top 12 wrong more often we're too timid at projecting new players or players to break out inside the top 12 now another element of that is dynasty drafters it doesn't matter if they finish inside the top 12 if they're not going to get that value so the hunter henry's of the world or potentially the Donald mooney is a top 12 breakout candidate this year they wouldn't really see the bump that a cd lamb would if he enters into the top 12 so there is some adjustment between dynasty and redraft um, and points players and value players um, but I really do think that's the area we should look for if we're looking for who we're most likely to get wrong it's how are we over projecting the repeats in the following season uh, but yeah we should probably get to the episode what do you think yeah let's do the episode I'm going to talk to you about breakout rates at wide receiver what the top 12 looks like in general like I just did but also what it should look like in 2022 based on what has recently happened at the position. season around 35 to 39 percent of players who finish inside the top 12 the year before actually repeat inside the top 12 and i'm purely talking about ppr scoring here that's around 4.8 players in an average year um since 2009 how do you get 0.8 of a player i don't i don't know i guess they cut his foot off i'm not sure um they're consistent in being dominant players 
um, all young players just breaking out to be dominant players. For example, last year we had Justin Jefferson repeating his top 12 performance in his sophomore season. Devontae Adams, who's been dominant for a while now. Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, and Keenan Allen. Um, all of those players actually repeated from the previous year inside the top 12. Everyone still hates Keenan Allen. It's unclear as to why. Um, now, again, on average, two players actually return to being inside the top 12. On average, between one and two players, sometimes there's none. Again, these things aren't consistent in every year. But if we look at the average, we get an idea of what the top 12 makeup should be in a given random year. So last year, we saw Cooper Cup and Mike Evans, who had top 12 seasons before now, actually return to having top 12 seasons um, in 2021. Uh, that leaves, on average, around 5.5 a player since 5.5 players since 2009 in any given random season that actually break out into the top 12 for the very first time. That's a higher number than I think most people expect. Now in 2021, we're actually treated to like a once in a decade event in that I've got 20 years of history and I can find two years that it's ever happened. And that's a rookie breaking inside the top 12. In fact, we had it twice last year. So if anyone knows a statistician, I have a question for them. Um, but Jalen... Uh, Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle broke out into the top 12. In fact, obviously, Chase inside the top five, but we're just dealing with the top 12 right now, um, in their rookie season. And now the others who broke out for the first time were Deontay Johnson, Hunter Henry, and Debo Samuel. Now, the problem with this very heavy tier, the reason that repeats and team old guy work so well, is that that tier of players are actually really diverse. As you can see from the 2021 class, we've got two rookies, Deontay Johnson as a slightly later round prospect breaking out breaking out in a slightly later career year than usual. Hunter Renfro breaking out in like his fifth career year. Debo Samuels breaking out inside the top 12 after Brandon Ayuk getting all this hype after his rookie season and um, Samuels only having a top 24 season before that. So it's a fairly diverse group just last year. And if you look at all players who in this group, they're also pretty diverse. Um, but there are some similarities um, at the wide receiver position specifically, that we can look for to help us eliminate and also highlight players who are more likely to be in this fairly thick and heavy group. Now, I've also decided this year to adjust for the trend. Um, as we were talking about a little bit in the introduction, um, it's not that career or position rank is predictive because it's not a feature of the player. It's more uh, a feature of the player and the situation. And since those can be relatively stable, which is what leads to a lot of bad arguments, it is somewhat useful. And again, we're describing an average year. So if we adjust it for what's happening more recently, we might have a better idea um, of what we should be expecting in 2022, then apply it to what we actually see and see what shakes loose. See if there are any values or any players we should definitely be in on because sometimes in Dynasty, you should be more scared to take, uh, you should be more scared of taking not taking good shots or good likely shots because we don't actually see them with a lot of upside with the same amount of confidence every year than missing on the shots that we take. It's worse to not draft a player, in my opinion, who has a lot of signal to have a lot of upside um, than to draft them and then them not do it. It's like the Mari Cooper. We projected a top 12 breakout three times in a row. It was never really disappointing. It's worse to take, not take that shot than actually miss on it. Um, especially when talking about young players. So what do we know about breakout wide receivers? Wide receivers that break out inside the top 12 for the first time, most often they do it in their third career year, which accounts for about 33% of all breakouts inside the top 12 since 2009. 
35% of breakouts with top three round draft capital and 25% of breakouts with draft capital outside the first three rounds. Because I actually did a draft adjust, draft adjusted and breakdown of this to see if uh, that could help us. And it actually does, especially when we're looking at league-wide trends over the last three years or so. But before we get to that, uh, players breaking out inside the top 12, um, something else we know about them, uh, that the second year is almost as common as the third year. They're, they're, though, that is definitely the range of players that we should definitely expect majority of top 12 breakouts to occur. In fact, they account for a disproportionately high number or high percentage of top 12 players breaking out into the top 12 for the first time. And remember, that represents on average half the group in any given season. But I think I just lost you in a bunch of weird words. So let me say it more simply. Since 2009, 61% of seasons have seen a player break out inside the top 12 in both their second and third career year. So if you're looking at one given season, then there's a 61% chance that a player in their second year and their third year are going to break out inside the top 12. The only thing more likely that we will see in breakouts is a wide receiver breaking outside into the top 24 for the first time in their second year. That's the only other more common breakout this is what i used to highlight several players last year as you might remember i wrote an article for dlf and i put it on patreon called third year breakouts the reason i was looking at third year breakouts is because we'd actually seen um a lack of them the previous year in 2020 we hadn't seen a lot of third year breakouts and looking at these trends for breakouts i knew that the third year was the most likely top 12 breakout year and if we hadn't seen them and so there might be some and no quote-unquote regression due in terms of the number of breakouts we're seeing inside the top three years, and there's probably a distinctly higher upside in those third-year players heading into 2021 um, than was currently being waited for because we typically think about second-year breakouts when we think about wide receiver because it's it's the most common type of breakout. So last year in that article, I wrote up and pointed out that Deontay Johnson, Debo Samuel, Marcus Brown, and Terry McClellan were all entering their third year. They're all under... 25 years old and all had had a top 36 season before which actually roots out about 70% of all breakout players so just using the third year and the fact they'd had a top 36 season before heading into 2021 I found these four players now how did it work out well Deontay Johnson and Debo Samuel both broke out into the top 12 so 50% of the group Marcus Brown actually broke out into the top 24 for the first time. He'd been good previously. I maintain we don't have to define a good player as someone who performs at a certain level in fantasy football. And it's pretty clear to me Marcus Brown has been good, but in a limited situation. And they spent a lot of effort last year talking about how the passing game could improve for the Baltimore Ravens. And it did, but much more than even I expected it to. So Marcus Brown in some ways disappointed last year with the explosion in um, passing attempts last year. He should have hit the top 12. He didn't. So I think ultimately he's looking like he doesn't have that level of upside, especially since he's outside his third career year now. Um, which is the most common year for them to do it. Similar with Terry McClellan, but Terry McClellan had a worse situation. He had a worse situation in his second season as well, despite breaking out into the top 24, um, but it's a little hard to, to ding him for it. Maybe if we saw some improvement in his situation, we should expect higher levels of overall production. With Marcus Brown, I still think he's probably more limited to being a top 24 player, but remains underrated. Like, he is valued in trade calculators the same as Brandon Ayuk right now, and I can't get top 24 brand value for either of them when I'm looking to trade them. So Marcus Brown is just better at that value. 
Anyway, um, those were the results just using those criteria. Had a top 36 season before, that's 70% of all breakouts. And just looking at the third year, because we had seen, hadn't seen had seen a lot of third year breakouts in 2020, and I thought that might mean we could get some regression. Does that mean this is foolproof? No, but we've been consistently looking for common breakouts at wide receiver without using the the trend of whether it's a second or third year we should be highlighting um, and having a fair amount of success for that as well. But while looking over the process, as you may have mentioned or noticed, sorry, um, from some of my previous podcasts, which have someone on Twitter called Chaos, uh, which, yeah, that about describes some of my podcasts lately. Um, I really delved deep into the breakout uh, trends so that I can have an opinion on what's more likely to happen without really having an having to have an opinion on either the player or the situation, because this seems to be a fairly effective process through different eras in the NFL as well. There are some slight trends in era towards early and later breakouts, but nothing that really weights it for me heavily. Um, and so I think this would be worth it. I also happen to find, um, or I expanded on, uh, someone in Discord, someone who should be following, um, he's been on my Patreon a while, Connell Plant. he was looking at the same data as I was posting about it in Discord, and he noticed if you just use 11 points per game the previous year, about 70% of breakouts that occur the next year have uh, points per game over 11 the previous year. Now that seems a little bit arbitrary. Arbitrary is okay. We can use arbitrary lines. Um, to establish reasonable expectations for an individual season, but I wanted something I could just plug into uh, my t breakout table uh, and use for all players in all situations. So what I ended up doing was looking at the average points per game for breakouts um, up to the point they broke out, um, and then comparing that to the previous the player's previous year um, performance in points per game. Now, again, points per game tends to be the most sticky to points per game because it's comparing the same metric to the same metric, and so it has overly exaggerated R-squared results, but it is an effective tool. And since it is capturing, especially even when I did it my way instead of Connor's, um, just using my arbitrary line, it captures about between 67 or over 70% of all breakouts the following year. That's fairly effective. It's as effective as the top 36 season, but we have a second point where we can look at a trend and a player's actual performance up to a certain career year and say that we're betting on the highest hit rate group of players who are likely to break out, even inside the top 12, which is the upside we're kind of looking for at the wide receiver position. So by combining both the top 36 season and this points per game threshold, um, I was also able to expand the breakout uh, calculation, not just to filter down to the players in the year that I'm interested in, but I was able to adjust it for all players. So I was actually able to provide everyone who hasn't had a top 12 season gets some measure of how likely they are, or how common it is that that type of player breaks out in the following season, and that means we can look for more underrated breakouts. Now, now based on recent breakout trends of the last three years compared to the last 10 years, um, I also found a few other takeaways to add to that, um, so we could adjust it for all players and provide some level of expectation into 2022 for everyone that hasn't had a top 12 season so far at each position. And we've been saying a lot of players break out inside the first three career years as late as we is no surprise because we just saw two rookies break out inside the top 12 and two great rookie classes come in. And so they're hitting a slightly higher
higher rate than we should expect. Um, but we've also seen players breaking out inside their fourth career year a little less often than usual, and so all of those players kind of get a bump in the new calculation. Um, I threw all of this into the projections sheet, by the way, if you're looking on Patreon for where is this breakout table, because um, that way I could just apply it to the actual players who are projecting this year um, to show some level of common breakout. Um, so if, if you want to see the whole table, that's that's where it all is. Um, so putting all that together, um, I actually found a pretty interesting list of players who are who who look like the most common type of breakouts, even when adjusting for recent trends over the last three years with a lot of long, young wide receivers hitting. Um, so, who, who are they? And I recently posted this on Patreon. I've written up for DLF as well. CD Lamb actually looks like the most likely wide receiver breakout. Now, over the last three years, we are seeing that type of breakout hit about 10% more often than we typically expect. But, and I checked this out, by the way, because I've recently I just randomly came on, the, as there's apparently a narrative going on, um, or a stat story, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that because he's only had a 17% target share up until this point in his career, that he's not the type of third-year top 12 breakout. And remember, that is the most common. Like, that's when players break into, out into the top 12. Like, it's the third year. If anything, I would say the the concern on CD Lamb is that we should actually be more inclined to think players are more likely to do it in their second career year this year because third year's broke out at such a high rate last year in that we had two that I highlighted in that article that broke outside top 12 from just they were in their third career year so I actually think we're hitting it a little too hard and that's where that 10% um, adjustment's coming from but even when adjusting it for that CD Lamb looks like the most likely breakout wide receivers but I, I didn't like not knowing so I actually went and looked it up. Lamb's 70% target share, if you average whether a player played eight games or more in any particular season, and then per game the target share, was above average for all top 12 breakouts. It was also above average for all top 12 breakouts in their third career year. And the majority of players, actually the modal, if you like, or the most common target share for players that break out inside the top 12 before, their target share before that point, is between 16 and 18%. There's about three or four players who were averaging 20% target shares before they broke out inside the top 12 in their third year or later or any given year, but it's actually relatively rare that players are actually already sustaining a top 12 workload at the wide receiver position before finally breaking into it. And also, how did that make sense to someone? He doesn't have the target yet, so he... where? Why would a player having the role but not being able to live up to it be better like I, I can't wrap my head around some narratives that leak out there with stats to provide authority that don't exist so i'm just gonna i'm not gonna argue with it if you go and look at breakout wide receivers lamb's target share is smack dab in the middle is 17 percent less than 20 yeah it, are most players that break out inside the top 12 averaging around 17 percent yeah, in fact, there are a lot, half the group averaging a lower target share, having played eight games in any of the seasons that used to average it. So, I, yeah, I'm not worried about it, to be honest. That seems silly. And now my top two candidates, mainly because of that second year trend, but also because of the trend of draft capital being, despite Hunter Renfro happening last year, um, 
We've seen draft capital hit at a slightly higher rate recently. So these two players are both facing similar poor situations. I don't have to have opinions on for this. But um, one of them's playing in their second career year. One of them's playing in their third. And both are being discounted heavily. And so they're actually my favorite two candidates for top 12 upside. Um, while not carrying that value this year in Dynasty, especially since I do think 2022 is going to be an ugly breakout year. Donald Mooney for the Chicago Bears, I believe the team name is, and also Alman Ross St. Brown for uh, the Detroit Lions. I'm grouping them both together because they're both lower-drafted prospects relatively in similar situations with similar situation concerns. Can Justin Fields become a bad, overcome a bad rookie start? I, I don't know. Well, the coaching change helped him. I Yeah, I don't know. Can Jerry Goff... Uh, okay, well, can Amon Ross St. Brown be a poor man's De- De- Deontay Johnson this year? I, I don't know. What I do know is that I don't have to have a strong opinion on those things to know that if it's going to happen for either of them, this is a really good year or a really common year for it to occur. And right now, both are being drafted significantly outside the top 12. Both rank outside the top 30 at the position in this month's ADP in Dynasty League Football. Both are kind of carrying that Marcus Brown, Brandon Ayuk value with them, though. So it's not like you don't have to give up something. But I would trade Brandon Ayuk for either of them, even though the reason he's not in this group is because his points per game was too low last year, which seems petty, but if I'm going to stick to a trend, I'm going to stick to it. Um, as it is, Brandon Ayuk's really hard to trade, and so he's hard to trade for both Donald Moon and Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, but I think the most interesting candidates to go test the waters on in your league. If you can trade a, a Marcus Brown or an Amon Ross St. Brown, someone you think is more limited to top 24 upside, Terry McClellan, to, for one of these players, because they have lower draft capital and lower expectations being drafted outside the top 30 at the position this month, um, and get a slight plus, any plus on top of those two players for someone that's more respected because they you know, they were drafted earlier or they've already had a, a better season or they don't play for the Bears or Detroit or whatever discount people are offering because they think they can read whether the the situation and the coaching staff, which I do not think I can, then I will take it. Um, if not, I, I get not going all in, or I definitely get not trading a first for him, but I think they're really interesting at that value with that kind of upside. Now, my two least favorite candidates that showed up at the top of the fold on this breakout calculation are actually T. Higgins and Michael Pittman mainly because both are pretty much being valued as having top 12 upside. Now, I think we should always be willing to trade for upside, but honestly, I have concerns about both hitting the top 12. I am not going to be the guy projecting Jamar Chase outside the top 12, and if you're projecting Joe Burrow to be Peyton Manning, I mean, more power to you. I think he's pretty awesome and fun, but I'm I'm not going to guess someone's Peyton Manning until they prove it. That's just That's just me. Um, and I don't think they're going to sustain two top 12 wide receivers, which means Higgins is already being drafted and valued at a level that I don't like. Having said that, everyone tells me he's undervalued, even though he's ranked at like the dynasty wide receiver seven and the redraft wide receiver seven. So if the guy in your league who's making everyone else think that T Higgins is undervalued is in your league, then by all means, trade for T Higgins. Um, as it is, if I can get this wide receiver seven value off of him, I'm doing it. I don't think he finishes inside the top 12 this year, but this would be the year to do it 
if he was going to on a career arc basis. Michael Pittman, same thing. And Michael Pittman also is the only player on this list outside of Donald Mooney, actually, who had um, an inefficient season last year uh, in terms of fantasy points per game. He also scored the lowest in my sophomore model, which is something I use to break decision ties with because it's mine and I like it. Um, But this is heavily biased on what I thought of them in their in my rookie profiles, because I lean on them well into their third career year. Um, you don't have to. If you, if T. Higgins and Michael Pittman light your fire, or you get a good trade on either of them, if either of them are trading for a first, yes, please. Um, but ultimately, I think they probably have a, a top 12 upside. But the, the, the common breakout thing disagrees with me. So if they light your fire more than mine... I can offer no process-driven reason not to trade for them. I'm just telling you I'm sticking to my rookie profiles. I think they're more limited in terms of overall upside. Um, the next guy on the list is that second-year player. And depending how I twiddle the formula, he actually comes out as one on one of the top six and um, most likely almost common breakout candidates. He's someone I've told you about before, and I actually made a concerted effort to trade for and only managed to get one share of him. He's in that Brandon Ayuk... Again, they're all in a similar value tier, which is kind of the tier I like to prospect in. Um, first round pick, but you're trying to get it for not a first round pick value. Um, Devontae Smith, he actually separates out from Elijah Moore here in terms of sophomores that I like heading into 2022. And mainly because of his overall points per game production, put him in a slightly more common hit group according to the trends we were just talking about. So... Last year, we were talking about third-year breakouts being the most likely. This year, we should lean probably closer to the second-year breakouts, who are almost just as common, but have actually been hitting uh, a little less often over the last three years. And here, Devontae Smith sits at the same value as all of these guys, but also he just got um, competition through the draft and formed... Uh, who went to Philadelphia? Drake London. I, I don't care. Um, and... If he's going to break out inside the top 12, this year's a pretty good year for him to do it. I actually think, based on the trends, it's one of his more likely years. And if he doesn't do it, I'm probably going to start lowering my expectations for him. But theoretically, he could still have a pretty good expectation of breaking out next year as well. And I think, like Higgins and Pittman, I think he has a really soft floor. I don't think he falls outside the top 24 this year, despite the added draft competition. Um, I think he was really good as a rookie. I think he's been undervalued since then because he wasn't one of the hotness rookies um, coming in because of his BMI or whatnot. And I think his uh, his rookie season was overall undervalued anyway. Um, interestingly enough, Smith, despite having not lost draft value, is actually being drafted in almost the exact same spot in startup ADP. So he's kind of worth the exact same first round pick that he was drafted for last year. And I think we should be much higher on him because he has top 12 upside this year. And I think he at least has a top 24 floor. And so I know I said Mooney and um, Amon Ra are my favorite targets. But that's mostly, well, that's not mostly. It's actually because they're more likely. But also I love lower drafted capital. And I think 2022 is going to be an ugly year. But in all, but Devontae Smith can be an all situation buy. He's young. He's productive. He's probably got a top 24 floor. And there is this top 12 upside, which is tantalizing for a second-year prospect. Um, and so whether your team's winning or losing, I think Devontae Smith is a really good trade target right now. Uh, Donald Mooney and Armand Ra are probably good trade targets if you're in pretty good, strong competition for your title this year. Whereas Smith, I think, is a good target in any dynasty league at his current value. 
Um, all right, I think, yeah, I've definitely ran out of time, especially given that very long introduction. Again, if you're interested in all of this, I wrote it up for DLF. Um, the table is in my projections, and not the actual table. You don't have to figure it out. I put the calculation in. It's sorted by it. You can just go look um, and see, you know, where the Green Bay wide receivers measure or the, you know, charges running backs, whoever you might care about, because it's positional ace uh it adjusts for the position as well. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm going to keep using this. I think this is something I can be... This can be a thing, like a thing that I do instead of just constantly doing research. This can be a thing I repeatedly do. Last year we were doing common breakouts. This year we are doing common breakouts. I can be more than a database guy. I can have a thing. Common breakout calculation. I like it anyway. Um, let me know what you think. Next week, unless I find a podcast guest, I guess we'll break down running backs. Um, anyway, thanks again. I'll talk to you again next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.